What's everybody drinking? Well, I've got uh, Bernie Ruinko, Huckleberry Ale. What the huck? Really huh. a theme of our podcast some days. <laughs> right? I actually don't even think I know what a Huckleberry is. <laughs> I don't either, but it, yeah, it tastes good in beer. I, yeah. Looks like you're drinking milk there, Gareth. It's Willibald Oaked Gin. So they age gin that they make on oak, which is delicious. And then it's mixed with something called Spindrift, which is bubbly water. With uh, This one's got lemon flavor. It's basically alcoholic lemonade. Delightful. Danielle, if you haven't figured it out yet, another cornerstone of the podcast is Gareth's hipster liquor takes. So he's yeah. in one of those every week. Yeah, It's his version of wearing a toque in the middle of July. <laughs> what are you drinking, Danielle? Um, Nothing. I feel like I should have something now, though. You really should. What the heck, man? I know. Go grab something. I'm missing out. I'm going to have to. We'll wait. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we can wait. No, it's okay. It's I promise. Oh, trust me. You're going to want to drink. <laughs> <laughs> it's lights out on another episode of Flippin' F1, where fans come together and gab about poorly informed opinions and a whole lot of them. Uh, with us today is our usual panel, except we've got a new panelist. So let's introduce you to everybody as the circus finds itself over to Miami. And for what I think I'm going to call the influencer GP, because that's what this thing basically was. But we actually ended up with a pretty great race with the bulls and the prancing horses squared off. Saw the return of the Merc, as well as Lando gives it up so that we could actually have an interesting race at the end. So we're going to start to get into it. Let me introduce you to the panel first. Starting off with our resident tech junkie, Gareth. How you doing, man? I didn't fall asleep during the race. I got woken up quite close to the end, and I didn't sleep through it. So yeah, I'm doing pretty decent. <laughs> yeah, races are great for naps. At least the boring, boring middle part, for sure. <laughs> and of course, on the view from the left coast, we've got Spence. How you doing, bud? I'm doing good, Randy. How are you? Oh, always good. Always good. It's Sunday. We're recording. I've got a beer in hand. I'm, I'm happy. It is a sour, though. It is a sour, which I won't complain about it. And of course, usually we'd have our intrepid professor with us. But because he's, I don't know, somewhere in the middle of somewhere, and I don't really know where. I think he's Mexifil. That's right. He's Mexifil. So out trying to renew his skirt for the next several races. So instead, and I'm going to screw up this name. I'm sorry. I should have asked before we started recording. Danielle Truman? Exactly. Hey, we get it right. Nice. Danielle, we're stoked to have you on the cast, man. How you doing? Good. I'm stoked to be here. All right. What are you drinking? I have searched the house high and dry and have came up with orange juice. Fans, you can't see this. I'm just giving Danielle a look. Nutritious. <laughs> hydrating. Orange juice today. Yeah. It, it's, yeah, that's, that's on brand. Danielle, what's your team or, or what's your background in F1? I like to think my team's McLaren. All right. But this year, I've been swaying myself away from McLaren. My background, I started watching F1 with my dad. And I just, I recently really started to get into it with the Uprise with the Netflix series. And I've just started really diving in deeper with the races. And here I am. Yeah, good. No, not that Phil's replaceable ever, but we're stoked to have you here. <laughs> I mean, a little replaceable. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> begin. Oh, let the carnage begin. <laughs> All right. Yeah, no, that's great. So everybody's race impressions. Miami, man. I, I didn't know what to expect out of this race. Like, I, I really honestly... It could have been like all races, but this one especially could have been phenomenal or it could have been a real donkey. It ended up somewhere kind of in between, I thought. It was the last few laps. I mean, 
the fake marina is still my favorite part of this thing just because the memes have been never ending it's been beautiful i've written this on our mural it's a meme pre <laughs> meme pre <laughs> yeah that's that's precisely right yeah it was a fun quality i thought quality was great the race just was okay yeah probably one of the better parts of the weekend for me were the free practices they were jam-packed a lot of stuff happening very interrupted i think tough for the teams to get a lot of meaningful feedback from them but definitely good to watch watching those guys get to grips with that circuit for the first time like it was really good i really enjoyed it It, now it's unfortunate that the viewing experience through f1 tv at least for me and i think for maybe a couple of the others on this cast was, was pretty painful this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, oh my goodness. I, I couldn't get the sky feed at all. It kept dropping out anyway. It wasn't just me then. Yeah. Cause the sound kept yeah. dropping out on the sky feed and it was like, ah, for Pete's sake. So I finally just hashed it over to the F1 feed and which in fairness, wasn't bad, but I just, I don't know those characters no. as well as the guys on sky. And I, I kind of missed that. The thing about the F1 commentary feed. We've got some good commentators, Sam Collins. He's like a former F1 engineer. He's there with whoever else. They're not at the track usually. They're in an office somewhere in the UK. I feel like you just lose something when they're not at the track. Yeah, I think so. I, I think there's just a chemistry with Brundle and Crofty and Ed and such that I just don't get from the F1 feed yet. And maybe it's just because they're growing up and they're figuring it out. And we forgive them for mixing up which car is which. Look at the Canadians battling each other. Um, well, no, I think that's Seth Vettel. Best part of the day. And look at, like, there's so much experience on the track as Aloe and Vettel go at it. That's Stroll, man. Sorry. Oops. <laughs> yeah, good times. Yeah, that, that was a lot of fun. I don't know. Danielle, what were your thoughts? How was this race for you? It was good. I felt like it was a fever dream, though. Oh, yeah. Leading up to today's race, I just, between the fake sand and the fake beaches and everything, and just, I, it just felt like a fever dream. Yeah, no, there was more plastic there than there was on the cars. It was pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I do agree, though. The practices I found way more exciting. Way more. Yeah. I mean, heck, we saw a Merc top a session. I would not have called that at any point this season. Yeah, it I happened. Know. I think it happened. It did happen. It did. Yeah. Russell did on being FP2. George. Yeah. I could not predict a thing after those practices. I, I don't think anybody could predict anything, which is, yeah, fantastic. Like, completely. Which is really up. good. I was just sitting there, like, looking at the predictions. Like, I, I don't even know. I'm just going to start pulling names out of a hat. I, I really didn't know who I was going for with my prediction. Yeah. yeah. At some point, I flipped a coin, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> like, yeah, but it, it, it happens so often watching the sport that it's preordained, like what's going to happen. Barring some mishap, like you know, well, and as we do every week, it's going to be now this year, it seems, Red Bull, Ferrari, and you know, Mer- Mercedes is clear number three. And you know that it's going to be in some order with, with those cars. This week was a real toss up, and it, it kind of left me excited for the start of the race to say, you know, <laughs> who's going to actually be able to bring it today? Are we going to see the the Merc that Russell had at the top of the timesheets in FP2? Or are we going to see Alonzo, who had like a really, seemed like a fast car? Is he going to be able to get it up there? Like it was different than normal, I thought. And like the little more uncertainty, which I think is fantastic. Yeah, no, it, it was something. It was something. Which brings us to, since we're talking about predictions, Eric, play the clip. Bingo! That's right, it's box, 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 bingo! 
everybody's favorite game where we've got nine boxes, each one with a different set of predictions that we're going to make in the middle every week. There's always somebody different. This week's middle box is Okan Can You See? Meaning that if Okan spins or bins, we all get that box. If you get a line or if you get uh, a full box, there's a different set of points, and usually the points don't matter because Gareth takes them all anyways. So, let's see how we did. Let's go to box one. Quali Grid predicted top five. Danielle, get us started. How'd you do? I think I got one, <laughs> which was similar. The way we work here, Danielle, is if you got five names, doesn't matter if they're in the right order, but if you got all five names, then that's a point. Yeah. Well, and so here's how it finished up. Leclerc, Sainz, Verstappen, Perez, and Bottas ends up finishing the top five of Quali. What'd you have, Danielle? I had, I can't find my sticky note. That's okay. It looks like you had uh, Leclerc, Verstappen, Sainz, Perez, and Russell. Yes, as my sticky note opens. All right, Russell, man. What the heck? (laughs) I really, I had a lot of faith. I really did. He's just been outperforming Hamilton so frequently, and I, I was really rooting for him. It looked like they had, like, in P2, they clearly had that car figured out. I don't know what they did during quality. Russell was second in FP1. Yeah. He was, he was doing all right. So they, they talked to him on the Sky broadcast after the race. And, you know, he said after FP2, they dropped the right height on the car. And it sounded like it was an absolute disaster. Just more porpoising than even two talented drivers like they have can possibly handle. So they, I think they reverted back, it sounds like, for quality that fp2 setup they had but i don't know for some reason like russell was uh he was nowhere like he got uh he got spanked by lewis or did he qualified yeah. what 14th something yeah, like that 13th or 14th something like that spence how'd you do well i think i took the box guys i had Verstappen, leclerc perez science and hamilton so four out of five my guy that does not give you the box the <laughs> well i mean, hang on hang on a second here so <laughs> i had four of the five right and my guy who wasn't in the top five was sixth so, I mean, I think that's as close as I could have come. I think it gives me the box. To use that old aphorism by one of my favorite Nova Scotians, close only counts in hand grenades, horseshoes, and shit fights, of which this was not. <laughs> as someone who's also lived in Nova Scotia for a period of my life, the third part of that saying I've never heard before, and you started saying it on here. I was going to say, as somebody who also lived in Nova Scotia, I never saw a single feces fight while I lived in Nova Scotia. I never saw one. I'm just saying. He's a wise man, Mr. Dan Smith. But- Danielle, you're still there, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. Have you recently break seen out? Nova Scotian feces fight? No. <laughs> I don't know, man. I was looking at this. It's like, uh-oh. Spence might have the box. And then all of a sudden, Ham just does not get there. Bodice with another to whom it may concern moment during quali. Yeah. Can we talk about that for a minute? Like, he, he's driving so well. And I don't think there's anything that's happening in the sport this year that I'm happier about than seeing him really, really do well. I mean, I think a podium might be in the cards for him this year. He's certainly not going to be at the sharp end every week, but crazy race, you might see him get up there. Yeah, I think the only thing that makes me happier than Bottas, like out driving that alpha is Albin putting that Williams up every, every Sunday. Like, can't qualify with crap, but... Every Sunday, he's driving the, the wheels off that car. But yeah, Valtteri has the alpha dialed in. I would tend to agree with Spence. Because, you know, last year all saw, okay, he's going to Alfa Romeo Sauber. They've been down in the bottom, blah, blah, blah. He's a good driver who I don't think anybody dislikes, if that's a way to classify the guy. Maybe, you know, 
call Monty, maybe he got a bit of a raw deal from Merck. And it's great to see him fighting with the Mercs and pulling that team up. It's fantastic. Yeah. Danielle, this is your chance to jump in. This is where Phil would go off on how badly Merck treated him last year. Poto Wolf is the devil incarnate. Right there. Work back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's where it gets funny because I would go against Phil and I'd be like, oh, Toto Wolf is just amazing. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Phil would, he would literally just be like, widen his eyes, yeah, shake his head. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> exactly. But no, I, I, I do agree. I think it's amazing seeing Baldas driving the way he is. It, he's carrying Alfa Romeo at this point, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think those Alphas, like, they're much better than I expect them to be in general. Alfa Romeo Ferrari is seeing fifth in the championship right now and they're five points clear of alpine who are in sixth that's wild if joe can start to put together some races that could be great for those guys i think that'd be really something but joe just not there yet i don't know he had a great start I, he got super unlucky today with whatever happened with his alpha yeah yeah and i mean 17th and in quality right scored so points on his debut i think he did no, he, he, he left yeah yeah not a great day for the chinese driver it's unbelievable. I mean, I, I don't think that anyone would have called that. When we were chatting about what we saw coming for the 2022 season, I guarantee you nobody would have said at the time, Valtteri's going to be inside the top 10 in the driver's standings. And, you know, he's going to be competitive. And, and it's going to be a fight. If Joe can start putting some points on the board, they're going to be competing with McLaren, right? Like it's happened, I don't know how many times now where, that alpha has beaten both Lando and Danny like it did today, right? He just needs a little bit of help from the other side of the garage. And sorry, garage, I'm watching too much British TV, the garage. And he, <laughs> it's like, and Phil makes a return. <laughs> yeah, excellent. A little, of, a little bit of help from the other side of the garage. And then you're going to see a, uh, you're going to see those guys you know, fight for fourth. And I mean, yeah. for a team that by some reports was kind of starting to financially struggle there. In 2020, early 2021, oh, yeah. like looking maybe even to put itself up for sale, like that's going to be huge. Yeah. Well, I, I just quickly looked up like Stauber's results as a team. The last time that, well, and this is year end of obviously we're five races in now. The last time they were higher than fifth in the championship was 2008 when they were the BMW works team. Oh, I love that car. <laughs> it was so good. They finished third in 08 and actually second in 07. All right. Well, no, you don't get that box, Ben. Sorry. For the record, I didn't get the box either. Yeah, I know. I figured Alonzo was having a great weekend. He'd be up there. Nope. And that Russell was having a great weekend. He'd be up there. Nope. Nope. No points. Nope. 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 All right. Let's see if anybody did anything on the bottom five qualifiers. So, guess get us started. Well, first thing I'm going to say is the three of you who aren't me, <laughs> who predicted that Ocon was going to be a bottom five qualifier, are idiots. <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay. All right, then. Ocon didn't leave the garage. Nah. He did not qualify for this Grand Prix. So, I mean, in the spirit of this thing, we usually talk about this box as being the grid, right? As in box one, we have <laughs> the quality grid. And this is going to be like, this is the grid, right? We're talking about who are the bottom five. No, cars. the... the uh, Maestro in charge of this wrote bottom five qualifiers. Yeah, on yeah, this. yeah. So, See, uh, and I, I meant to meant to correct this one too because you caught this last week as well. Bottom five qualifiers versus bottom five grid. Uh, I was like, I got to get there next week. See, this is this Danielle is why you don't start a podcast with lawyers. 
There's a lot of reasons, Danielle. <laughs> so the bottom five qualifiers in order were Schumacher, Magnuson, Joe, Albon, and Latifi. I got three of the five. Well, it's not bad, but it's also not great. No. Danielle, how'd you do? N- not great. I got two of the five. Three. Albon. Albon. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, better than average. It actually sounds like it might be bang on average because I also had three of the five. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I had Schumacher, Albon, and Latifi. What's Phil's average? Have I done better than his average? It's hard not yes. to. I don't think oh, okay. Phil's. <laughs> we're, we're setting low expectations. I like it. I actually, yeah, Phil's usually pretty good about calling out the bottom. There's a whole pun to be had there. Call him the bottom. He's got bottom skills. That's definitely a thing. I had actually figured Alvin had like really good runs in free practice, and I figured he was going to not be in the bottom five. Turns out he qualified like garbage despite his hair. So I don't think anybody wins this. Do you, Ray? No, I don't think so. Somebody, someone's working with Alvin's yeah. hair, man. I don't know. Call him Mr. Sunday or whatever you want to, but like, guy can't qualify with crap, but he can move. Well, as Ted Kravitz said on the qualifying notebook that Alvin had like dyed his hair again because that was last time he got points and boom, he got points too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's see where it goes. I would not have called Albin to be the Dennis Rodman of Formula One, but yeah, here we are. Well, who knows? And our boy Nick Latifi was last, sadly. Yeah. How's that make you feel, Spence? Well, you know, sadly, but unsurprisingly, <laughs> I think it's probably the rest of what you meant to say there. He's having a tough year. I mean, it's, it's just not gone well for him. I don't know. I think the vultures are starting to circle. Don't think that team needs his Sofina money the way that it did uh, a couple of years ago. And I was definitely one of the people at the end of last year saying the guy should keep the seat on merit. Like he was, I thought, a very good number two to Russell. He'd been in the team for a couple of years. He deserved to stay. I think the drumbeat for people calling for his exit is going to get louder and louder, particularly when you've got guys like Piastri who are sitting there on the sidelines without a drive. I would not be shocked if he gets dropped if it doesn't turn around for him. That doesn't mean that he's got to start whipping Albin every week, but I mean, he, he's been nowhere. Oh, man. You just can't be DFL by a football right. field. I saw the best meme of the week for me was, it's like, this meme is like two people arguing and one is basically pointing out the jewelry ban is not about safety. It's about Lewis and the other one's like, no, no, it's all about safety. And the other one answers, if it's all about safety, then why are you letting Nick Latifi race? <laughs> so, ow. <laughs> it was great, though. You know, Danielle's on her podcast. She doesn't listen, so she doesn't know. Spence has a Nick Latifi custom license plate on his Mercedes-Benz. AMG. That is 100% false, but I mean, no. these guys like to say that. I do. It says NL6. <laughs> yes, it does, but that's more, that was just a coincidence. And yeah, I picked yeah. it because yeah, I thought it was it. funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's an L and an H in that uh, license plate too, but I'm going with the Latifi thing. <laughs> I think we touched on last podcast. I think he would be well served to make a good transition to IndyCar and he can go over and win some IndyCar races. I think he'd do great at Indy. Great open wheel career. Yeah. He is the nicest clean cut dude who would be so happy to chill for Midwest Fertilizer Inc. <laughs> yeah, and not to mention that it's not like he has no skills, no talent. Yeah. He's a Formula One driver. The four of us are not. He's more talented than we are. I don't think that's really the comparison that we're looking for here. But I mean, look, he's had some success in Formula One. He had success full stop in F2, right? In the lower category. So, I mean, it's not like the guy can't drive. I just, 
think that, well, I don't know if it's maybe the car is just more difficult this year, or he's just having a tougher time getting to grips with it than Alex Alvin is. But you know what? He's not looking like he's making that team any better at the moment. And I think when you get there, then people will ask the question, then why? Right? Well, I mean, like these are like mm-hmm. the top 20 drivers in the world. And as you guys said, right? Like this guy's like Piastri sitting on the side or just just salivating and the people are excited to watch it, right? It is all about the show. Yeah. That's what Miami tells us. So I'm happy to have two Canadians in there. I mean, sure. But I mean, it doesn't appear to be competitive. So I look at it and say, like, would we be better served as fans if Nick DeVries was in that seat? And maybe. Maybe. Oscar, or Oscar Piastri, Piastri, yeah. Or pick him, right? Somebody who's not trundling around at the back, making right. up the numbers. You know, you see what the Williams can do, you know, be a bit of funky strategy, a little bit of luck. You can be ninth or eighth or tenth or eleventh, and you can be competitive in battle with the other people who are in like that midfield. Yeah, no, totally. All right, well, I'd say nobody gets that box either. So, man, that's a line nobody's going to win. So, let's take a look at the race top five finishers. I think I cleared this one up that it's the finishers. It's how they classified in the end. I think. Yes. So. Well, start us off, Stacks. I basically won. I got four out of five. Signs, Verstappen, Leclerc, Perez, Bottas. Two, two people I'm pulling for. We already talked about Valbot. Just pulling for him to have a good year. You know, get in the top five, get on the podium. And I am all in on Carlos Sainz winning his first race, breaking his duck, as we would say if we were British. I'm pulling for him. I really hope he wins. I got four out of five. Not bad. I think I win. Unless somebody else got four to five, and they'll split the points with you. Well, I definitely had four to five, and and I had uh, Science and Perez in their correct finishing places. So I don't know. That sounds pretty good. Do you have Leclerc and Verstappen in their correct finishing places? No, I, I, I don't. You have neither Science nor Verstappen nor Leclerc in their correct finishing places. Verstappen beats Leclerc <laughs> in, my, in, in in the ranking. Verstappen wins. Yeah, I don't yeah. think so. Danielle, how'd you do? <laughs> I got four or five as well. None in the correct placements, though. Yeah, Leclerc, Verstappen. Did any yeah. of us have Russell? I, Danielle, did no. you have Russell? I thought you were all in on I Russell. I was, but then when we went from qualifying, I switched it up and I was like, oh, let's go with Hamilton now. Hey, look, you know what? A safe bet on those two. Like, those two had a great battle at the end. And I think Russell won at fair and square. That was a solid bit of racing. He did. But I mean, he was flattered right. by his strategy, which banked on a late safety car. Had he not got a late safety car, he would have finished eighth or something. Like yeah, that. like, I, I think the results may kind of give people a wrong impression of what's going on there this weekend. Like, Hamilton was the stronger driver, I think, overall. He just... Got a little unlucky with strategy versus George. And I mean, look, George, to a certain extent, you know, he had a really great stint in those hards, you know, off the grid. So like, you know, hats off, he kind of in part, you know, creates his own luck that way. But, you know, without the safety car, you know, you're right. He's, he's eighth. I mean, contrapoint, he had to create his own luck because he only qualified 14th. Whereas right. His yeah, was I think best. Lewis had a stronger weekend overall, but George did have a very strong race even without that late safety car that kind of allowed him to kind of catapult himself up the order. I mean, uh, I'll give you that. I was actually surprised by Lewis saying, just tell me what to do. Like, don't ask me what I want to do. Just tell me like, what's the right strategy. I was not expecting that call from him. There's a nice level of deference from a driver to a pit wall, but also saying you guys have all the data. 
tell me if I can pit or not. Yeah. They almost seemed like they flipped the coin. They were like, oh, yeah, stay out. Sure. Stay yeah. out. Because <laughs> like, like, I, I thought he was going to come in for softs. Didn't they go out in the pit lane like two or three times for him? It was tantalizing. I, I would have loved to have seen somebody use all three sets, but nope. Didn't happen. Didn't pay off in the end. So. Well, that was Merck, I think, being conservative. Because what happened, you know, Gasly tagged Pierre or Gasly tagged Norris because he went off. He was slowing down. And, you know, there's a car in the track and enough debris and the field was spread out enough, which to VSC, which neutralizes the race, kind of everybody's on cruise control, effectively yep. maintain a, a constant time of arrival, speed, whatever. And you can see they have the track map going. It's like, oh, there's not enough gap between any of these colored dots on the track for marshals to get out there and like pick up all this debris. Like you knew that a safety car was inevitable. And maybe if Merck wasn't being so conservative, kind of trying to chase points, they would have just said, you know, Hamilton, like get in, put on the softs. Yeah. It surprised me. I mean, what, like, as opposed to like a 22 second hit on the safety cards, like 11 seconds or something like, right? I think like VSC was 16 and it was lower for a real safety car. Perhaps a wasted opportunity. I think so. So did we all just get a point for that box? I feel like we no, did. No, but I only got three out of five. I made a bold call and it didn't pay off. It looked like it was going to pay off at one point, but then it didn't. No, oh, okay. So the three of us won and Randy didn't. Yeah, I would you know but points. It's okay, Randy. You still beat Phil. I did still beat Phil, which, you know, I'm going to take the win on that. But that's always exciting. All right, box three, fastest lap. Who got this one? I didn't actually notice. Max Verstappen. He did a 131.361 on lap 54 which was an average speed of 213.255 kilometers per hour. That's pretty blazing for that late in the race. Like, he was on fairly old hearts by then, was he not? Lap 54 after they went back? No, lap 54 was after the restart. He was on old hearts, though, yeah. I don't know. I think this is what gets interesting, right? Because I look at how the tires performed this year, and as we think forward to, you know, Miami next year, well, the thing about this track, I think, is that, you know, it's never going to get properly rubbered in, right? You're going to get these tropical storms that pull off all the rubber constantly unless they do something crazy with the asphalt like it's always going to be unpredictable which means these hards are going to make a huge difference in the strategy moving forward and this is where phil normally yells at me that i don't know anything about formula one danielle <laughs> well, i'm sorry on phil's half i won't yell at you no that's fine that's why you're here <laughs> <laughs> so look maybe next year pirelli needs to bring different tires right like instead of i think they were in the middle of range this week right c2 through c4 so, yeah, next year they bring worry, C3 yeah. through C5 and let the tires degrade a little bit more. And maybe it'll stop people from doing the one-stop hard marathon that they did this year, right? I mean, like my personal view is always that, you know, more pit stops is more entertaining, better for us as fans. And yeah, it changes everything up. You see a greater variation strategy. I think it would be definitely a more exciting race if you see, you know, people pushed into those two stoppers. Instead of just doing the monster stint like Russell did today on the hard tires and then, you know, getting a bit lucky up in the safety. Yeah, it was really interesting. I mean, those tires didn't unlock themselves till about, you know, sixth or seventh lap before he started doing some real speed on those things. It was interesting. I haven't seen the hards like perform quite so well, but I don't think anybody's had time to open them up. Well, I guess Alpin. Yeah, interesting. All right. Fastest pit stop. All right. Everybody had RBR. How do we do? Except you. We won. Everybody won except you, Randy. What are you talking about? According to pit stop. Oh, wait, no, I. Sorry, I put this wrong. No, no, no. You've got to go to like inmotion.dhl.blah. Uh, Red Bull did a 2.33 second stop for, I don't know who, but 
They did. And then there was an Aston stop at 245, another Red Bull at 249, and Alpha Tower at 255. So everybody who had Red Bull won. How did McLaren perform, dare I ask? Oh, gosh. Their fastest stop was in 259. It was good enough for the fifth fastest. I mean, I think that the thing of note with McLaren pit stops this week, they had a pretty slow one for Lando, didn't they? Yeah, he was sitting there for three and a half, four seconds or something like that at one point. I was a mess. The whole thing was a mess for McLaren this weekend. I don't know what was going on. I don't know. Danielle, jump in here because you're the Mac fan. I, I don't really know. I think it's sad to see McLaren where they are for me personally. It's sad to see where they are. Like you see them in free practice and it, you think it's going to be promising. Well, I think it's going to be promising. And then we get into qualifying and then we get into the races and they're just not where I think they're going to be. And yeah. you know, we had Lando on the podium there a few weeks back, but still it's just, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know where I'm at with it. So this yeah. is an interesting permutation. Somebody actually prognosticated, I don't know who I was listening to, but it was at some point during the practices, somebody was prognosticating it that Danny Rick might be out at McLaren. I was like, I don't know, man. I don't think. I saw that come across the text chat. I thought that was you saying, you know, do they replace him with like lower paddle award from IndyCar? Oh, it wouldn't be me, man. I'm, I'm all about the honey badger. No, I, I think it was me. And I wasn't suggesting they do it. I was just saying that yeah, I think I was repeating something I'd read somewhere else saying that, you know, McLaren is testing paddle award. They're testing Colton Herta this year. You know, is there a chance that they kind of say at the end of this year, like, Danny, thanks, but, you know, we're good here's your 12 or $13 million or whatever it is that we would have paid you this year. And we're going to go with one of these other guys because we don't think you're making our team better. We're going to shuffle you over to the IndyCar team. Good luck. And we'll bring in one of these guys. Personally, I don't think that's the right thing. I mean, I think Danny's got a lot of really great racing left in him. And, and I think he's just, he's had a lot of bad luck this year. He's got a little bit less time behind the wheel compared to Lando. I'm looking for him to kind of do what he did last year, which is, struggle up until the summer break and then he'll go to western australia or he'll go to la or something he'll get his head right and he'll come back and just kind of really show us who he is second half of the year yeah i i think i saw Hopefully. he hit some of them like he was doing some pretty solid late breaking on on some of these turns like i think he was the one that was like breaking latest off of 17 and it was pretty wild he didn't have it or at least the car wasn't there something wasn't there for him this weekend all right, box six, escape goats. So this one, Danielle, is another Phil classic. Once Mr. Massey got fired, Phil was all fired up about him being an escape goat. That's right. Not a scapegoat, an escape goat. <laughs> Just running that large around the farm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, just thinking about who could have been blamed this weekend. I think you could have got a point with Gasly. You probably could have got a point with Lando Norris. You could have definitely got a point with Seb and with Mick Schumacher. I was going to say Seb was blameless, completely blameless Mick Schumacher. But Danielle, you had Nick Latifi kept his nose clean. I think Spence, you said Joe, he wasn't there. But I had K-Meg and Rand, you had Danny Rick. So Randy and I, we both got I had Danny Rick. Because both K-Meg and Danny Rick got penalties for doing dumb stuff. I'll take that. A box out of this thing. I mean, we also, like, Aloe looked like he was going to cause an accident once or twice. I mean, didn't he run into everybody in this race? <laughs> it was like, at one point, I think I was yelling. I didn't put it in the text chat. I was like, I want you to go out there and hit the pace car. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> you damn near hit everything else. <laughs> 
Yeah. Like K-Meg got dinged for a collision with Car 18, who's at its Lance Stroll. Who took out Lance? Gasly. That was Gasly, Gasly yeah, right. slowing down, kind of. I mean, Al- Alonso is a perfect escape goat. He got penalized twice. <laughs> he did. He, yeah. he got two separate time penalties for doing dumb stuff. Ah, oh, Fredo. What a weekend. <laughs> More to say about him later. All right. Box seven, a new box for us on the cast. This is Andrew's AMG, who has the first tire blowout of the weekend, and it begins on Saturday. So for Danielle's sake and for the rest of our listeners, every once in a while, our good panelist Andrew just has a little bit of trouble with Pirelli tires on his AMG. Yeah, but since I switched over to Michelin, I have not had one single blowout. So I just just saying. Please sponsor us, Continental Tires. Yeah, so the idea behind this box was who has the first tire blowout of the weekend? When I built this box in, I honestly thought that it looked like the tire deck was going to be so much worse than it ended up being and that somebody was going to blow out a tire. But Well, they had this kind of weird abrasive surface in Miami with like rocks coming off of it. And I was with you. I figured somebody would blow a tire. Yeah, well, and I figured when I watched FP1, like there was some blistering happening and I was like, wow, that happened early. At one point, the, the race today. Yeah, I mean, you looked ahead. at, I mean, Charles kind of really fell off from Max kind of around lap 10, 11, 12. And you could see that like, the band started to open up on his tire, but just never got there. Like they smartly got him off the track before that happened. But at some point, the Merck pit wall told Lewis, like, hey, just stick with it. Let it degrade more. It'll be better. Which was a great call. I was like, wow, okay. But outside of Lando, you know, being pipped off by Gasly and nobody had a tire blow. That tire fell off. That was wild. Like, and the tire came off of the wheel. Yeah. It's not like the wheel was sheared off of the car because there's, there's tethers to keep the wheels on the car. The actual tire fell off. Not great. Not fantastic. No, oh, well, it was just a big flying piece of rubber for a little while. So nobody wins that box, box seven, because there weren't any tire blowouts. But our box eight about free predictions. Go nuts. Go nuts. Danielle, what was your nutty free prediction? Mine was that Latifi was going to bin it within the first like five laps, straight into the barrier. That that makes me sad inside, Daniel. Yeah, I I, I think Spence just died a little bit. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. Just looking at the corners with turns 13 and 14, I just I was so confident that Nicholas Latifi was just going to be right into the barriers with those. Oh man, I feel like Nick is quickly becoming this year's Mazaspin. But he's such a better person and nicer guy. I know. I feel better not, in I Formula want to One. give him the benefit of the doubt, truly. It's just, uh, I had to choose someone and it had to be him. Yeah. He was my scapegoat, enough. or should I say, scapegoat. Scapegoat? Yeah. yeah. Excellent. <laughs> there it is. I, w- I was actually with Danielle. I did two predictions. One was right. But one was wrong. I, was, I said, like, the turns 13, 14, 15. That was the, everybody's calling it, like, the Formula E part of the track, the crappy chicanes to get you under the overpasses. Right. Was going to eat cars. Because it ate Carlos Sainz and Esteban Ocon during the practices. And it didn't. Everybody kept their noses clean. And I figured there'd be some big passes at turn 11. And there were. It was kind of at the end of a little straight. But everybody, surprisingly, more or less kept their stuff clean. Yeah. yeah. I think people took a lot less curb around 13, 14 at some point. And there was a debate raging on Twitter this morning about whether or not they should put Tech Pro in there at 14. But And that's something they got to fix for next year. But the whole thing was we can't put Tech Pro barriers in there overnight. That's maybe when you win, we'll get there. Spence, you had a safety car before lap five. I think you really should do your Spence impression right now, Gareth. <laughs> 
before he unmutes. <laughs> I thought there was going to be a safety car before lap five. Oh, geez, it's going to be there. Nick Latifi is going to bin it. For our audience, Spence has not figured out his audio issues. Look, I thought that there was no chance 20 cars were getting through <laughs> that late series of turns, the Formula E part of the track, without someone coming together with someone else. Really, that looked to be a very reasonable prediction at the start of this. Didn't happen. I was pretty shocked. I thought that was like a bit of a layup for me. I thought I had box nine unlocked. No, it's almost there. Mine, man, I had it half right. You know, I had George into the points from the back, which happened. I don't know. I'm taking at least a half point there. But then I also made the bold prediction that Verstappen would end up with another power unit issue. I honestly thought that that thing was not going to survive the heat. But he managed it. I got to give it to Max that he made some great passes. Or a great pass, at least. I think there's actually a great pass and then a great defense. After the safety car restart, it was thrilling. I enjoyed it. Yeah, those last half 10 laps, watching those two chase each other was a blast. A lot of fun. So again, like kudos to F1 for changing the formula because it is far more exciting when somebody bends it in the middle of the race. And so, yeah, like let's see more safety cars. Yeah, I think there was actually even during the boring middle bit from about lap, I don't know what, 12 to 40. There was some decent kind of DRS type passing going on in the midfield. Was there? I mean, I'll talk about this in Winter Wind, but the TV directors today were just not. Oh, my God. We'll get there and we'll yell about TVs because we're all old people, except Danielle. Yeah. And of course, the middle box was Ocon, can you see? Because he bent it during practice. Everybody except for Phil gets a point. It was the only time Phil would have ever gotten a point. Awesome. That could not have worked out better. All right. Well, that's it for net for this week's box, box, box bingo. Danielle, we'll make sure that you have an empty bingo card that you can fill out at any time you want to play along with us. And of course, if you ever decide to join us again, you'll know the game. We change it up every week. In fact, you should just throw your predictions up. It'd be really pretty funny to see. We'll just we'll just reference your predictions as we go. All right, so Netflix moments. I honestly think Jewelry Gate is going to be like a whole episode story now. Like they got to pick on something on Lewis and that's going to be it. Yeah, so I, look, I admit I had heard them talking about there's a big kerfuffle about you got to wear fireproof underwear in the car. And then they're saying, oh, well, we're going to start enforcing the rule that says you can't wear jewelry in the car. And then I heard there was something else saying you can't wear jewelry during a press conference. And the no jewelry in the car, I think, is probably overkill, but like at least I understand it comes from a point of safety. The no jewelry in a press conference, I mean, sounds pretty ridiculous and seems potentially targeted at one or two guys. Every single one of them has a watch sponsor. Is a watch not jewelry? Like, you know, we're not making a big deal about them going in and having their IWC or three IWCs in lieu of the case this week on their wrist. Like, I don't know. I thought it was strange from the FIA. This is Formula One's like get a haircut and get a real job moment, but it really is targeted, right? Because the one exception that they were willing to allow are wedding rings, which to me is far more dangerous than Lewis's nose ring. Well, it's also discrimination on the basis of family status. Anybody who's ever litigated human rights code complaints. And Lewis brought that up. Like, why can somebody who's married wear a wedding ring when I can't wear a ring if I'm not married? All these kind of, let's call it gerrymandering around the issue, really clouds the issue. Yeah, like I, I know they want an American audience, but parroting American politics and F1 regulations just makes no sense. <laughs> it's, uh, and that's what it felt like. It was ridiculous. But yeah, that's my Netflix moment. I, I think there's going to be a whole episode or at least a good chunk of an episode that 
surrounds all of the regulations and the rebelling against regulations, especially if he ends up missing a race because of it. That'll be a whole moment. A whole episode on underpants and jewelry. Oh, well, and I mean, and Seb's underpants, which should be a whole Netflix episode. Yeah. That was awesome. I laughed. That, that's where I was going to get out too, was like the whole jewelry gate scandal. And then too, with like, just, I was seeing all these memes of Seb running around the track with just his underwear over his race suit. It was bizarre. <laughs> I think one point Brundle was like, I don't actually know who the underwear inspector is in the cool down room. I mean, Gasly was a little more pointed about it when someone asked him a question back in Imola. He said something along the lines of, well, I'll try to clean up the language a bit, but it's like if someone wants to check my underwear every week, they're more than welcome to. I don't think it was underwear. He was very French about it in reference to specific body parts. <laughs> oh, which, boy. <laughs> you know, really, you know. Pierre, what do you have pierced? That's our question. Yeah, ridiculous. Like, underwear and jewelry, fellas, that's what we're down to? (laughs) You're going to tell us that you fixed everything else with F1, and now you're just about underwear. Which, I mean, I'm waiting for, right? Because then it's going to be like, Monaco, brought to you by Joe Boxer. (laughs) Oh, it'd be Ralph Lauren. Randy, please. I know. I don't even think Joe Boxer is a brand anymore, is it? I don't know, but if you are, uh, sponsor a podcast, get in touch with Randy. What was yours, Spence? What were your nephews? I would say the big one for me is, was was Mick and Seb coming together there at the end of the race. Those two have a really interesting relationship, and it's like legitimately interesting for someone looking at it from the outside. So I think Netflix could do an episode looking at the two of them, talking about how they get on, the history of Seb being a huge fan of Michael back in the day, et cetera, et cetera. I can see that being the basis for an episode. And today's coming together, just another kind of point, I guess, along the journey for those two. I mean, man, I was not happy to see that. I was really excited for Mick to get his first points in F1. I mean, here he made it and he's in ninth with what, two laps to go? I told everybody not to jinx it. No touch <laughs> but, it but it looked good for him, right? It really did. And I have not actually seen a replay of that crash, so I don't have a good kind of position on who I think is at fault. But certainly when I watched like the post-race interviews, it sounded like maybe it was more Mick. So anyway, I mean, it could be a, an interesting kind of part of the arc in that storyline if Netflix chooses to talk about the two of those guys and their relationship, which frankly, is pretty bizarre within the paddock. Yeah, like Seb is kind of helping guide Mick, like stand in for Michael, who's not able to do that. I mean, I I think I saw a replay of the crash. It looked like it was Mick, but the stewards looked at it and said, whilst both drivers contributed to the collision, neither was wholly or predominantly to blame. Yeah, no, that makes sense, right? Mick, wait till after the race before you try to hug him. (laughs) (laughs) And Lewis and George, I think this is going to be an episode. I'm absolutely convinced they're going to try to make something of this. The TV directors, who are shit this week, idiots, played that radio message from Lewis to the pit saying something about like, you know, we got to talk about what happened with my strategy or something like that. Like when he was behind George at the end. He basically said, like, I got shafted on strategy. Well, you didn't. What he said was strategy hasn't been kind to me. I think is his his exact call. I remember right. You know, just complaining into the ether, shaking your fist at clouds. If Phil was here, he would be. (laughs) Then that's a thing. But, you know, when you say that on the radio, the TV director is going to play it and make you sound like you're whining. Yeah. No, that's true. And he was like, I think that's something you say in the room. Why the hell would you say that on the radio? I don't understand. 
It's like, how does that help anything? But it's also one of the big takeaway is if you had given it back to do over again, I don't think he would have started on the hard tire anyway. I mean, it was not the preferred strategy. I mean, almost the entire grid did something different. George, and I guess the two Astons as well, got lucky because of the late safety car. Like, but for that, he's, you know, a couple of spots behind Lewis. It's just chance, right? I said this already tonight. Lewis was better this weekend, I thought. You know, I, I'm going to be a little bit charitable here, but like also too, Merck tends to screw up Lewis's strategy when it comes to safety cars. Like this is what, the second or third race this season where like they We already talked about like they were overly conservative about it. And you brought it up as like, well, you make a decision. No, you make a decision. Somebody with information has to make a decision. Yeah. You guys have the telemetry, like make the call. Yeah. That's all right. And Gareth, your Netflix moment. Well, I I have a little bit of hate on for Drag to Survive, being a bit disingenuous. I think they're just going to do a bunch of B-roll of all the beautiful, important people and the influencers and show none of the racing except like a graphic of the points change as between like Leclerc and Verstappen with like a background of Verstappen crossing the line first. They're going to do 15 minutes about what a great time Miami was and how awesome it was and all the great stuff and show none of the racing. Yeah. I think so. Spence, you got to talk about it because the best thing of the weekend, Brundle's grid walk. Oh my God. Like what an amazing car crash that was. <laughs> so for those of us who don't get Sky, didn't see it because we were running late coming home from yoga. Tell us what happened. So I would imagine you can find this somewhere on YouTube if you look relatively quickly or if you have a VPN, I'm sure you can get it from Sky. But Brundle does these things, as probably most of us have seen, where he walks the grid as people are, you know, getting ready to race. For the last two years, they've been pretty state affairs because it's only been the drivers and teams on the grid. But since Bahrain this year, we've seen other people, celebrities, you know, former race car drivers, local people of note, they're all there. And part of what he does is he's got a producer in his ear who is presumably telling him, hey, we see so-and-so, like, go talk to them. And today, it was just a gigantic clusterfuck. Really can't say it any differently. He had people that just flat out refused to talk to him. He had people who he didn't know who they were. I think at one point, he flagged down a guy and started talking to him. And it sounded like his producers thought it was Pat Mahomes. They thought it was NFL quarterback Patrick Mahomes. It clearly wasn't. Yeah, it turned out it was... Uh... Paulo Bachero, the, he just uh, the throws up his and says, whatever. He finds Venus Williams and is trying to talk to Venus and she really wants nothing to do with it and kind of like refuses to answer his questions, but then kind of answers his question and he just leaves the mic there and there's a nice solid, you know, 10 seconds of just dead air while he's looking at her. He found Ian Poulter, made a big deal about talking to him. You say, if anyone doesn't know, he's like a, I would say, a relatively successful professional golfer. Very successful, but he's not like a generational type player. Uh, for a couple of minutes, all the while, two times Masters champion Bubba Watson standing right next to him. Just, it was something else. He went after David Beckham like three times. Before Beckham finally like relented and talked to him for a bit. I mean, like it was a thing of beauty. Like you need to go back and find it. Yeah, yeah. So I just did a quick search and there's somebody who has Martin Brundle versus Paolo Benchero, not Patrick Mahones, Martin Brundle versus DJ Khalid, 
Martin Brundle versus David Beckham versus Farrell Williams versus Venus Williams versus social media sensation. I can't wait to watch these. Oh my goodness. And this is the thing. When Brundle walks the grid in the US, it's just a joy for me, right? Like last year was him trying to talk to Megan Thee Stallion or, or something like that. And I believe so. Yeah. Didn't he get shut down yeah. by her security or entourage or something? Yeah, which I was pretty pissed yeah. about because I was like, if you're going to be on the grid, you should know who Martin Brundle is. Don't <laughs> like just understand that, you know, you're in a place where there are people filming live. You maybe like that's kind of the price of admission. Is yeah, and I thought they brought in the Brundle rule, which was kind of the price of admission. Like you said, Spence, is if you're on the grid, somebody sticks a microphone in your face, say a couple of nice things. Oh man, was that was some good walk? I think somebody's going to turn that into a whole great video, though, because you know the internet giveth even while the internet taketh away. But I really honestly think that should be a Netflix episode itself. While we're on the subject of television coverage for this week, can we just have a segment called What the Fuck the TV Coverage Suck? (laughs) Danielle, like, you were having issues. Yeah. Mm, The TV was cutting out in the race, and the audio was cutting out, or the audio was, like, lagging, and the race was just so far in advance, and the audio was so far back. And then the only time that everything was just perfect was the commercials. And you were watching on terrestrial TV. Yeah. On like TSN or something. Yeah. It was so, it was awful. It was the worst experience I've ever had watching F1 throughout the weekend as well. So qualifying, it was so bad. Oh man. Yeah. And F1 TV. So I watch it all on F1 TV. We don't have cable. We've got the app on one TV and on every other device. And the F1 TV people were just screwing up. Like FP1 turned it on. And you couldn't get the international feed. Like the audio feed was just skipping and lagging. So you had to go listen to the F1 studios. Oh, that's okay. And I went to go watch like the FP3 highlights this morning or yesterday. And F1 TV had just posted the video of Australia FP3 with the audio of Miami. And I watched <laughs> two minutes of that. And I was very confused because I was like, you know, washing dishes or something. And then I looked up and like, wait a second. Why did the Heineken sign say Melbourne? (laughs) So that's F1 TV. And then I don't know if you people saw it. There were a bunch of shots of, I want to say like from turn four kind of where they went around the Hard Rock Stadium. And I saw this in the W Series race where there was great battles kind of going around. I think it was turn four and the cameras didn't cover it. You had this great panning shot of the track in the Hard Rock Stadium. And then the track disappears behind some palm trees and hoarding and stuff. And then they pick them up. After the corner, all bloody race. I was just F1 TV, the camera people. Like, I mean, the TSN coverage was truly epically bad this week. Like, I know that they normally got to just pick spots to put the commercials in, and their timing is tends to be. I only ever watch TSN when I'm here at my parents' place, right? I like normally I'm I'm watching on F1 TV, so don't have to deal with this. But like today, I don't know. Like TSN, if you're gonna hire somebody to direct that race for you guys on a Sunday. Don't put the intern on it who doesn't know anything about F1. Like the safety car is not an opportunity for you to get to commercial. We missed some of the best commentaries with the best radio calls right in those moments. The text chat was full of everybody who's watching on TSN saying, what just happened? I'm getting side by side with no audio. Spencer, you're being weirdly quiet about this all. Uh, I, yeah, I, I look at what can I say that I haven't already complained about, right? It's really difficult to watch an F1 race when there's no sound, no commentary, and someone is running an attack ad for 
a provincial election in a province that I don't even live in. Like it's very distracting and not a very good watching experience. You know, when I travel to the U.S. and watch races on ESPN, they present them, at least in my experience, without commercial interruption, right? And that is really the only way that you can watch this. I mean, other sports have TV timeouts. They have places where it's very natural to break away. Like you're watching baseball. Yeah, okay. You can, you can run a minute and a half of commercials, <laughs> you know, while the teams are switching sides, right? Like all good. I don't mind that at all, but like in F1, there's no chance to get away. As a broadcaster, you need to find a better way of bringing this experience to the fans because it is so frustrating. I mean, like when Lando's accident happened while TSN was in commercial, right? So I missed all of that. And then when they came back after the commercial, I think it was just after they ended the virtual safety car and gone to the full-blown safety car, TSN went back into commercials again. Because again, they're, they're saying, well, well, nothing's happening. It's a safety car. But like, no, that's just like, everything is happening right now. Like the whole end of the race is going to be determined by what happens under the safety car. Right. So like, you know, we really need to, if you're following the race, you need to see that. It's not just guys driving around slowly, right? They, everything is kicking off all the strategy, you know, where we're seeing how good it was. What, what are they going to do? Anyway, this is wildly frustrating. My experience, unfortunately, with F1 TV this weekend was no better. Had the same issues that, you know. Gareth's already described with respect to Sky Audio. And yeah, it's an entirely frustrating weekend. I I don't want this to be just a a podcast that focuses on broadcasting takes, but it was painful this weekend. No, it it was terribly painful. Yeah. If you're a terrestrial broadcaster who's going to pay the money to show F1 in whatever jurisdiction you've got the rights to, just know that I think everywhere except the UK, we don't have to pay for your shit. You can go watch it on F1 TV. And F1 TV, like, you know, Phil will send you angry emails when you screw up. I'm sure Phil would have been writing letter after letter after letter, letter on his typewriter. On his typewriter. <laughs> angry hitting the keys. Yeah. Like Formula One, if you're going to be about the show, you got to actually broadcast the show. So rants over. Just go back for a second, right? If you get on Twitter, Martin Brundle is actually trending still at the moment. And- <laughs> <laughs> and it's a riot. Like, I swear, like the memes, just the takes alone are hilarious, but the memes are about to start to come. And I swear, like if I had any internet skill or Photoshop skill at all, I would make a meme of Will Smith slapping Martin Brundle with the title, keep my wife's name out your mouth. Cause I think that'd just be hilarious. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be gold. Brundle's going to be famous again. Yeah, I don't know, man. And then I'm with you on this one, Gareth. Like, F1 TV, like, what the hell? Like, the W Series should be featured. Like, all these undercard rates. Like, they didn't show the W Series. They didn't show the Porsche Super Cup, which that's a whatever. But yeah, I think W Series and the Porsche Super Cup were the only support races running at the track this weekend. Like, show us the W Series. Like, I think Sky had some highlights on their YouTube channel that you can get to if you have a VPN with a UK IP address, which. It was great racing. It was interesting. I, I saw, I think, the sprint race. F1, show us more racing. We'll be more engaged with your content. Right? Yeah, lots to complain about. Lots to complain about for Miami, for sure. But hell, you know, it was Miami. I don't know. I think this whole thing used to be really interested, right? Because we've got Austin coming up, and we know Austin's always a great race, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And then we got Vegas coming up next year. Like, I know that there need to be more races in the U.S., but I, I think... You're going to have to figure it out for TV if you're going to do this. Like, if you're going to put more races in the States, like, get it right. You can't capitalize on the Netflix crowd 
by being stupid about how you show the races. Let's get over to Winter Win, our impressions for the weekend. All right, in this particular one, we do three takeaways from this week's race, one driver team observation, one overall race or venue impression, one future of the sport thought, and something to think about looking for the next race. So, Spence, we'll let you get started up so that Danny has her thoughts on the board. I'll start with talking about Alex with the red hair. I don't know if it's the hair <laughs> dye or what, but uh, he's been continuing to impress. Another great drive from him today, definitely outperforming the car. And as we've discussed at length, certainly his teammate. So, you know, looking forward to seeing how he does in the second half of the year. And I hope that Williams can have a good upgrade or two to make his car a little more competitive so that, you know, instead of fighting for 10th, he's maybe can get up and fight for seventh or eighth, just to make it a little better on him. Regarding the venue, look, I think this can be America's Monaco. I, it was a spectacle, right? I really think that it could be. The racing today was okay. wasn't great, much like it typically is in Monaco. But the spectacle was 10 out of 10. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I will look forward to seeing this race in the calendar again next year. And finally, just putting the question out there, are we going to see Ferrari kind of get the advantage back over Red Bull as we head back to more traditional European venues in the next couple of weeks. Like I, I'm certainly expecting Ferrari will be very strong in Monaco. Not sure about Spain. I mean, that was always a, a track, I think, that in the last couple of years, Mercedes had a big advantage on, like I think mostly down to the power unit. So if that's Red Bull or the guys with the top VMAX this year, then maybe that's one that's more advantageous to them. But uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing kind of this championship whipsaw a little bit. All right, guys, you're up. Winter win. Oh, I mean, we've whinged enough. My team thought, we, we talked about my team thoughts or my driver thoughts, like Valbot, great work. Albon, great work. Great to see you up there. And maybe this is for Mercedes kind of, hey, the weekend that they've shown that they're there, thereabouts, and they continue their march kind of back to where they quote unquote ought to be. The venue impression, we said mean pre, so move on from that. Fix the bloody track and make it safer. The drivers have been up in arms about that turn 11 bit where uh, both signs and Ocon went off. Like it was a hard concrete wall, super high G's, even though it was a kind of low speed, I think third gear crash, apparently like cracked a freaking chassis for Alpine and they ought to make that safer. There, there's no kind of excuse to not make the track as safe as it could be. And then obviously fix the bloody track, fix the issues with the surface. Get rid of some of that awkward stuff. Figure out a way to improve the racing. Play with the DRS. Because we did see some good racing today. And Spence said, let's, okay, the other Monaco, America's Monaco. Well, you can tweak the track because it's just a giant parking lot. Let's make the racing better. Like, let's learn. Let's make the racing better. My uh, future of the sport thought. Let's talk about what's called vertical integration. It's where you own every bit of your supply chain. This is Miami Grand Prix, as well as the Vegas Grand Prix, our races that Liberty Media itself puts on. It's not like there's a host organization like, you know, Le Grand Prix du Canada Inc., which does the one in Montreal here. And let's talk about Liberty Media, like saying, okay, we're going to control our product more. We're going to put on the show 
and we're not going to have to have, you know, fights with a venue and we're going to do the work with the city here. In this case, Miami Gardens. We'll talk about that a bit later to get the race approved. So we've got this vertical integration, Liberty taking more control of the show aspect of it. And I'm also thinking, and I brought this up last year, there's some Liberty Media execs and Liberty Media owns the commercial rights to Formula One who got their start in regional wrestling promotions. I just see all the kind of goofy influencer stuff, the stupid Marina, just as kind of like kayfabe, like you, you hear the sound of somebody getting body slammed on the mat closer to the speaker because the microphone's under the mat. You know what I thought it was, Gareth? That Marina stunt didn't remind me so much of low-level regional wrestling circuits as much as it reminded me of like minor league baseball. <laughs> Come out for Marina night. Bring the family. But how much would you pay to hear, you know, Max Verstappen be like, yeah, brother, I'm going to drop a chalupa on that Merc any time now. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> it, 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 yeah, that was something. Whatever. There, there, there's just a level of, let's call it Americanism going on with kind of the promotion where it's like, yeah, I, you did this thing and you, maybe you jumped a shark here. But when we talked about this in our text chat, you know, whoever thought up like the fake Marina, did they get fired? Or did they get a bonus for the attention of prop? They all certainly got a bonus, right? Because it was all about impression. Yeah. And whoever cut together that video of the guy jumping on the ice and bouncing off and with the marina, <laughs> which is legendary. Brilliant. So that's, I think we will in the future see more races put on by Liberty itself, just so it can have more money and more control of the show. And then future of the sport, I said Spanish sanity. Let's go back to Europe and let's have a race where the people on the grid and the people at the race are maybe race fans, which is not to exclude anybody who's not a race fan, but just to exclude people who show up for the clicks and the likes and the lols. Yeah. 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 All right. You ready, Danielle? All right. So my first takeaway, so my driver takeaway was I think Sign's bad luck streak has ended. And I say it's bad streak in quotations because I see so many people on Twitter just referring to him on this bad streak. And I feel like he has ups and downs, but I don't perceive Carlos Sainz as a necessarily bad driver. But I think as we progress into the season, like I think, you know, it's going to put an end to that personally. I think we're seeing him improve a lot. And especially with the Ferrari, I think he's definitely coming into his sorts with the car. Vamos. Vamos. <laughs> I don't know. I like it. I like it. Yes. Fantastic. It's a good take. All right. It's a personal hot take. Yeah. Um, Racer venue. I have a love hate with the track and I gave it a five out of 10 because I think the Miami location is it. it is super exciting. I think, again, it could be like America's Monaco, but I, for me, and like a racing perspective, I thought these new tracks were going to provide us with closer racing and a little bit more excitement. But towards the middle of the race, I didn't have that excitement. I was like, oh, I can probably go fold some laundry right now and just not want this. <laughs> and I was waiting for that like wheel to wheel racing and that excitement. And I didn't get that. And I feel like track improvements could maybe help that or excel us into the future where we want to see F1 in that excitement per se. But yeah, I think just in that realm, like the location of it, it's amazing. Like Miami, yes. But just in terms of the racing, I was expecting a little more wheel-to-wheel -wheel racing, especially with what we saw in free practices. Like, you don't want to wish for a crash, but I was ready for something like a safety car, anything to happen. Can you imagine Miami in the rain? That'd be wild. I was waiting for the cloud. 
I, I really was. I was like, yeah, like I'm ready for rain at this point. Yeah. No, I think Miami in the wet would have been a crazy, crazy track to try to navigate. Like even on inches, right? Like that, that track's got a whole lot to offer there. All right. Future of the sport. So mine is safety issues. And it just makes me chuckle when I'm thinking about like the jewelry ban and the fireproof underwear and all of that, because that was such a big deal. And then having proper barriers in place and just having concrete barriers there. I was like, can we focus on actually having safety for the drivers rather than worrying about if they have a ring on in the car or how Lewis Hamilton's nose ring is going to affect it when he could hit a concrete barrier? For the progression of the sport, I was a little lost as to where we were going in terms of safety issues. Wise point. Yeah, I got nothing to add to that. That's great. Awesome. Yeah. So what are you looking forward to in Spain? I don't know. Coming out of this weekend, like I said, for me, this weekend felt like a fever dream. And I don't know what to expect going into the next race. Are we all hoping for Carlos to, I don't know, maybe win his home race? Oh, man. Can you imagine? Oh, my God. That the madness. Mental. The madness of that. If he wins. Just, just think wins about it. Spain. Back to back. <laughs> We've got Spain and then Monaco. So the Ferrari drivers really have back-to-back races where they each could compete for their home race. Yeah. Home race. Oh, I like it. That is tantalizing. That is spicy. I, I, I do like that possibility. As for me, you know what? I can't believe none of us talked about it, but my driver impression was that Lando's helmet was epic. Oh, man. It was so good. I would say it was baller. It was ball. It was balling. Yeah, that's right. It's... Uh, um, yeah, yeah, that was a solid helmet. Of all the designs that we've seen for a long time, the, that's been one of my favorites. And I think Lando's got that down, right? Like when he did the one last year where like some kid had done a, a helmet design for him and he actually wore it, right? You know, in general, we saw some of the return of the Merc this weekend. It wasn't groundbreaking. There's still a lot to come. And I think in Spain and Monaco, we're going to see more upgrades to that car. They're going to be good. But I think they finally figured out the right ride height to, you know, this little porpoise, but it was better. Like the cars just looked better. They looked more dialed in than I've seen them all season long. And that bodes well, I think. Overall racer venue impression. I'm going to say, you know what? I get the fake marina and I get this stuff, but like you could have put fans in those stands, like hardcore fans in those stands and it would have been just as entertaining. Or you make an entire celebrity fan thing there instead of watching people in pools and sitting at a bar, not watching the race. Like you don't want that on the infield where the camera is going to go over all the time. Like the point is, is that people are actually watching this race. They're excited about the sport, right? Like the bars and the little fringes, that's for the outside of the stadium, right? Those things happen at every single race. But when I'm watching the sport, I, I actually want to see people engaged with it. Super excited. There was like one shot of a Red Bull fan that I was just like, it was truly unbelievable. Like the guy looked like he was about to just completely lose his stuff. He was so excited. And it was like, yeah, that's the stuff. That right there, that's exciting to watch. Like, Did you not enjoy Ted with the Mermaid at the start of the broadcast? Ted with the Mermaid was pretty great. The things Ted does for this sport, man, I just, it's a tough job, but. I, I missed that one. There was actually a great fan shot of a young girl, like probably under 10 years old, Ferrari fan, like with pizza in her hand, like cheering for pizza. <laughs> I love it. I'm there. I'm there. Yeah. I'd like to see more stands there, right? Like they're going to sell them out anyways. And the marina was a fun story, but it's only going to be fun once. So replace it with, you know, actual 
actual bleachers and, and actual actual things that like people can get into. I think you get a lot uh, a lot more mileage. It, it was kind of an all like corporate hospitality almost Grand Prix because I you could see it. Ferrari had their own like on the track hospitality place, and this is not in the paddock. There's like a Ferrari like grandstand type building. There's a McLaren grandstand type building, which great brand building. You know, if you sell a bunch of supercars in the Southeast U.S. or East Coast of the U.S., invite everybody there. But it's like, you know. if you're gonna do that though, like give it like the Imola type name, right? Like the U.S. made on Instagram, hosted by Doritos Grand Prix. Like Crypto.com is basically hosted by Doritos. Is crypto not Doritos? Future of the sport. I read a story this week, I think, where they might start experimenting with forcing tire strategy next year. And I'm kind of, I'm all here for that. I think we've talked about like more pits being a thing. And I, I love this idea of playing around with, you have to use all three compounds. Or you have to do different things that like force more tire use and more ways of, of like watching the car perform. Like to me, there's the show, right? Like there's so much fun to be had there. So I'm kind of hoping that F1 keeps experimenting. We'll see what happens. As for next race, you know what? We got to get Phil to bring out the hula scoot. I want to see the rain in Spain and see what happens, especially because we know Carlos is a genius in the rain. And that would be a heck of a way like to start wet and then go dry and then just be blasting everybody else out of the water. I think that would be a race I would like to see. Yeah. All right. So last words. I know you had something about the Miami Gardens or something there. Uh, yeah, just to bring us back. So the Hard Rock Stadium, it, it's in a city called Miami Gardens. It's not Miami itself. And Miami Gardens is a majority black census metropolitan area. And Lewis Hamilton had a very interesting interview in the Miami Herald where he talked about Formula One in the USA and kind of what it means to race in a majority black neighborhood effectively or census metropolitan area, as well as the other stuff like his foundation is doing. And there's some F1 kind of STEM and school stuff that's being done as well, because it was very controversial that F1 was going to race in Miami gardens. It had originally been like the balloons were floated for let's do this through downtown Miami back and forth on the causeways. That was next. So they said, okay, let's do it around the stadium. There's a lot of local resident pushback. And I went and watched some YouTube, just like kind of local news clips from Miami Gardens. And there's some people saying, this is awful. It's kind of just taking over our homes. We're not getting anything for it. And other people, entrepreneurs saying our bars are going to be full, just like they were for the Super Bowls. This is great. So just Formula One goes to places that are economically disadvantaged or have a maybe oppressive regime in place, whatever it is. I mean, the, the Brazil track is next to a giant slum. Like, it's one of these things that you've got to be conscious of as Formula One fans to say, okay, where are we going? What are we doing? Who are we inconveniencing? And then the other bit there, it's a Rick Ross quote. I, I don't know, was Rick Ross at the race? I don't know if he was, but I believe it's Chirp at Will Smith and his song Miami. He starts off the song Carol City. You know where I'm from, Will? I'll shoot you in the head if you say Miami Gardens. So take that, Will Smith. Yeah. Because Carroll City is actually part of Miami Gardens that didn't want to be part of Miami Gardens. It's just kind of, let's be conscious of where we are. How many like SEO like optimization triggers are we you know, setting off by saying Will Smith name through this podcast? It's kind of fun. I don't know. We'll see. Might we get another fan? <laughs> you don't have to be a fan, just subscribe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or you can guess with us, Will. We'll have you. <laughs> 
Danielle, last thoughts for the day? Last thoughts. You're going to make fun of Phil. This is your opportunity to make fun of Phil one last time. And just for the record, our listener, um, Phil may or may not be somebody Danielle reports to. Maybe, possibly. (laughs) Danielle doesn't want to get fired. (laughs) No, Phil is great. I'm sorry that we all do have to collectively know him. Um. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. But (laughs) I am really thankful that I was able to be here. I love listening. I did listen to some of the... to your guys' previous ones, once Phil showed me, I was looking for his podcast for the longest time and he never told me the name of it. So I was like scrolling through Spotify for the longest trying to find it. And that he just told me the other day and I was like, yeah, this is what I've been needing to listen to. That's great. Did Phil curate episodes for you to listen to? Is that what happened here? No, <laughs> I just, I randomly went in for some episodes. I loved it. I'm, I'm so glad to be able to be here today. We're, we're excited to have you back some point, Danielle. That's awesome. Spence, what's your last belly ache? I just can't wait to go get some pizza, Randy. Pizza? Oh, oh yeah, that's right. It's like eight o'clock your time or something like that. <laughs> I hear you. Well, well I'm going I'm to keep you for dinner for two seconds because we did have some silly season stuff on the board that I really do want to talk about. Two things. First of all, Ted Kravitz had rumors of Fernando Alonso and his manager, Flavia Briatore, somebody who had a life ban from F1. They were you know, trying to pimp Fernando out to places like maybe Red Bull or somewhere else that was just better than Alpine. So who knows where that's going, if there's anything there, but just interesting what you see in here in the paddock. And the other thing that was seen and heard, Mike Lance... Hold on a second. Like, we can't steam over that. Out of Red Bull would be hilarious. That'd be... Uh, yeah, I, that- I mean, Christian Horner, I think, got up and completely denied at some point in time. But Flavio and Allo were talking to other teams and Fred apparently thinks yeah, he's got a few more good years left and maybe he wants to be in a championship winning car. And the L, L plan is not going to be like, you know, winning. <clears throat> so there was that. I like it. I love McLaren, man. I love McLaren. Yeah. <laughs> Go back there again for the third time. And then Michael Andretti, he, a former IndyCar F1 driver who also owns giant sports team, uh, racing team, Andretti. They do IndyCar, they do supercars, they do NASCAR, I think. He's been trying to get an F1 entry. Uh, he and his dad, F1 champion, Mario Andretti. And Michael was there in the paddock. He was meeting with team principals. And some sharp-eyed photographers actually saw him, you know, asking team principals like Christian Horner to sign documents, which were, I think, documents of support. That's what the consensus is. And there's a few teams who are supporting them coming in. Total Wolf is on record saying, no, it's going to dilute the prize money, even if he pays the 200 million bucks to come in to put into like the anti-dilution pool. And then Christian Horner, who he was filmed meeting with, I think signed the thing, said, it would be great. Liberty Media should be the ones who are paying the team so that we don't lose share of prize money. So things are afoot. Things are afoot. I like it. And who knows if Andretti, how they're coming in, but maybe it's with an Audi, maybe it's with a Porsche because the like CEO of the Volkswagen Audi group has confirmed this past week that, yeah, Porsche and Audi are going in. But what was kind of really confirmed is confirmed, confirmed. Yeah, I know. Which will be exciting. I know it's going to be Audi branded, but I still want a team called Rabbit Racing because I think that would just be awesome. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, all right. Well, so concludes another high-flying episode of Flippin' F1. If you're one of our eight followers, tell a friend and also follow us on Twitter 
and fill out your bingo card, which we will eventually start putting up. And now that uh, Danielle's on our team, maybe I'll actually do it properly because it's nice to have somebody who actually does PR. Awesome. So with that, Gareth, say goodnight. Say goodnight. Spence. Goodnight. Danielle. Goodnight. And of course, I'm your host at most, Randy, saying goodnight. See you next episode. stuff to hear uh how's your film impression uh, my film impression well i'm gonna have to work on it i'm gonna have to dial down the coolness um, <laughs> no, oh, i see <laughs> oh good times